The FujiCast is an independent loading zone production. Wednesday 15th of April. The FujiCast. Halfway through the month. I think we're likely to be in lockdown for a bit longer though, aren't we? By the sound of the uh, the briefing and the stuff, the news I see coming out, Kev. Yeah, I think so. I think we're, we'll, we'll probably follow France and all that kind of stuff. So they're, they're down now until, I think, the 11th of May, is it? Is it 11th of May, is it? So I think so. Roughly another, um, roughly another month. We were, of course, slightly behind France with, with regard to, to to going inside and uh, pulling down the shutters, weren't we? Just a, just a little bit behind them. So uh, maybe we've got a little bit longer. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, without getting too political, I think we... we shut the shutters a bit too late didn't we mm-hmm. some say um, but then again yeah. you look at countries like um holland and, and sweden going through the experiment of of not shutting up shop and um some some would say you know they it, it looks okay mm, true yeah, yeah. Who, knows? Well, who knows who knows anyway welcome to the fuji cast daily before it gets political um, a show about photography, a show which does include Fujifilm stuff. There will be some Fujifilm questions today. Uh, and also, um, during this time of lockdown in most parts of the world, during the war, in most parts of the world, it's uh, it's a stay-at-home show where we get to spend some time with you, talking about pictures and hearing about what you're shooting. Uh, we'll have, of course, today the uh, daily photo challenge set by Kev. And also, because it's a, a Wednesday, there's another title from Kev's Mountain of Books You Should Buy When It's Safe to Spend Money Again feature. That's the longest feature title you can possibly have. Yeah, and I've been asked to remind you, by the way, not not by um, uh, not not by the the guys necessarily on on the page, but uh, I had a DM. Who was uh, who sent me the DM? Oh, it doesn't matter now. Don't forget, there's a Fujicast at four page because um, it, it, it was you that came up with the concept, wasn't it? Really, um, a couple oh. of months back. <laughs> I can't keep up with all this stuff. No, well, there we go. That's what that's what that's what a, a growing show is all about. Where you post between four and five, the first thing that you see, um, it has its own page. There's uh, there'll be a prize at the end of the year for the person who, after a year, has posted the most. And that will probably not be going to myself and Kev. <laughs> uh, no, because I, I've uh, very rarely done it. Um, I watch. Uh, I think the prize should be you can go out of your house. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm hoping by then that that'll be, that'll be you know what we do generally in life. Please, yeah. uh, also today, and thank you very much for the questions that you sent in for Keith Bernstein, um, the stills photographer um, on on set on film sets, etc. Well, so much more than that is Keith. I mean, look at the work with Nelson Mandela and and his editorial work and his news reporting. We talked about that last time he was on the show today. Uh, because we've had a few questions about it, we thought we'd bring him back on with the aid of your questions uh, that you so kindly left, and uh, either by DM or or in the the, uh, the Facebook group or by email that I gathered a few together, uh, more than a few actually. I asked them of him earlier on today, and you'll hear that interview. Um, so, um, so looking forward to that, Keith. Later was he wearing his red shoes? I have no idea. We're socially distanced. Oh, I, sh- I should I have sh- asked him. I should have asked him. Are you in your? Re- he did. He did ask to be reminded to you, um, or say hello. That's yes. a very old-fashioned phrase. You remind yes. me to Kev. Um, so uh, yeah, because the, the red that was what it was all about when you were first on stage with him, wasn't it? You were both wearing. Was it? Did you both have red DMs? No, they were like um, I don't know. I think mine were like Adidas trendy shoes. My what? trendy shoes, is trendy shoes. Yeah. What are, what, are, what are red? What are red trendy shoes look like then? Well, they're red and trendy. And Rose is like, uh, take those off, Dad. <laughs> she probably thought you looked like a clown. <laughs> 
that's when the, he's, he's, that's Keith ended up with yeah. exactly the same shoes. Oh, on. Oh no, no, not Keith. though. No, he'd be trendy. No, no, no. Keith is trendy. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not suggesting you're not. I read some stuff. Um, you know, what? I I read. Um, oh, how's your hay fever? By the way, just had uh, the random sniff come in there. I didn't. Oh, it's I, not good. No. Oh, yeah. Ne- it would be really good if anybody who's listening, if you could all just stop mowing your stop lawns. Mowing your lawns. Next door neighbour's done his six times in in as many days, isn't he? Oh, I don't know, but yeah, he's done it again today. I think, but just stop it. <laughs> Um, not good for us. I read, this is nothing to do with photography, but uh, in this world we are living in at the moment, a very good piece on Medium yesterday, Things You Might Need to Hear Right Now, by Jessica Wildfire. That can't be her That's real name. That's not a real name. No. She had 12 points. I've just picked out a handful. Um, some of the more, what I read is pertinent ones. Um, there's one reason some of us aren't uh, binging on corona news right now, and it's because we already have, she says. Essentially, we've been falling down rabbit holes of news, Kev. I must have read every report and watched every graph when this started, Kev. I really did. And I think you did as well. And you still do a bit, don't you? Well, I only read the BBC, I have to say, and the WHO. That's it. What about that graph thing you sent me? Are you reading that still? Uh, oh, that was on the the daily the, the mm. like the swing the swingometer. Oh, you're right, <laughs> it's an awful swingometer. Um, yeah, but that's that's sourced by the uh, the hospital in uh, the John Hopkins thing, isn't it? So uh, we get those figures anyway. Oh, okay. The best way she says to respond to a lousy situation is to challenge yourself. That sounds lame, but it works. Give yourself something to do that you've never done before. Devote yourself to making it a reality. And Kev, you've gone out and done exactly that with a new website, Ministry of Shadow. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. However, yeah. saying that, well, you wouldn't have got round to it if we hadn't had this because it would have would have been one of those things on the kev list no that's very very true it would have been on my very long kev list but yeah. i am looking right now at the bbc and uh, I, I read this a little bit earlier and it, well a tear welled in my eyes mm-hmm. with the uh the old guy 99 year old world war ii army veteran mm-hmm. who pledged to walk a hundred laps of his garden um and he wanted to raise a thousand pounds for the nhs and he's done it and he's a hundred years old at the end of this oh, month right and he's walked a hundred laps, yeah. and have a guess how much he's raised. Much more than a thousand quid. Go on, roughly. Uh, I haven't read this story, so it will be a complete guess. Um, hmm, ten grand. One point four million. No way. <laughs> What's that? One point four million. Bless 1. him. And, and he four million. Oh, he has. Give the man has, a round of applause. Yeah. yeah. He hasn't had the uh, the virus, luckily, but no. he's you know he's he's had NHS stuff um, doing to him. Is that yeah. how you say it? No, he's he's used the NHS. He's used before. the NHS. Um, yeah. So he wants to do it, and and now he's going to do it again. He's he's decided <laughs> he's going to do it again. He wants to do another hundred. This time he's hundred. This time he's saying, "I want the cash." I've seen how well it did first time round. <laughs> yeah, I think that's amazing, isn't it? That you is know? incredible. When I go out for my morning walk, um, I I've been tempted to, and I haven't because I felt 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 myself a little bit. Ah, a little bit guilty to be taking pictures on the streets um i don't know why but but i mean i was on a um a, a sort of round table show yesterday we were talking about taking photos on the streets and and the all the empty streets and i i said look images Im- images of empty towns i said and cities shouldn't define this pandemic and i i don't think they do now i think the images of people at home and what they've been doing i mean take this japanese back garden that yeah. that's the stuff that's making history now isn't it yeah absolutely but and I, you know you know my thoughts if yeah. you uh, you know my thoughts on taking your camera mm. 
don't do it don't unless do it. you're meant to be doing it well um, it is the camera phone um and and i've been you know all these amazing things you're seeing out there the attitude that people have towards the nhs and the wonderful things they're writing on pavements there's a there's a street just just out road there's a street just around the back here that um, everybody, they've been hard at work making, um, making sort of uh, cardboard cutouts of themselves and they've stuck them on a railing across the road. And it's, it started with three or four. There, there must be about 30, 40 people there now. And it's gradually growing and growing and growing and growing, all with lovely messages about the NHS and mm-hmm. you know keeping inside and, and keeping the faith and stuff like that. We've got um, there's on one of our little walks. There's a um, there's a guy has put a mass and it's the size of his house, mm. a model of the BFG outside his house. <laughs> oh, fantastic! And it says uh, thank you to the NHS. It normally comes out for the carnival, of course, and I'm yeah. the carnival this year. Yeah. So it's a giant thank you. Oh yeah, that's Gemma just said it's a giant thank you. It's good that you got your producer there, otherwise you'd forget all the interesting stuff, wouldn't you? I know. Yeah, yeah. she's standing over my shoulder, Is making she? me nervous. <laughs> anyway, t- hello, how are you? I'm all right, Matt. Off to buy tennis balls and beer. Tennis balls and beer. Is that essential stuff, tennis balls and beer? Oh, my God, she slammed that door on her way out. She's gone, yeah. Anyway, Jessica goes on, things aren't going to get back to normal, or not yet anyway. What we call normal is just a fit between reality and expectations. We'll feel normal again, but that's because we'll adjust. Uh, It'll be a new kind of normal. That's true, isn't it? I thought that was a very pertinent point. And then the the, the last biggest takeaway I got from Jessica Wildfire can't be a real name we all have mental superglue i love this the world just got a hundred times harder for most of us a hundred times more uncertain for most of us but she writes we get stronger even when we don't want to we think things can't get any harder then they do we think we'll break but we don't or we do and then we kind of superglue ourselves back together again maybe not as good as new but you can still drink out of us <laughs> I thought it was a lovely, lovely piece. Yeah. Go to medium. Uh, it's a tonic. Well, some of it isn't tonic. Some of it is. I want to name that. I want to be called Jessica Firelighter. Firelighter? Oh, look, we're being interrupted again. If it's not your wife, what do you want? You're not going to the loo again, are you? Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> Between 2 and 2.30 in the afternoon, <laughs> just wee over mummy's plants at the end or something. The, not, not over the tomatoes, though, No, Jack. not over the tomatoes. We have to eat those. Okay, I'll do it over the, like, the... Um, uh, maybe we shouldn't be discussing this. No, maybe not. No. <laughs> oh, dear. Keith Bernstein's going to be listening to this because oh, his God. interview's on today and he's going to be thinking, oh, this doesn't happen in Hollywood. What kind of ramshackled service are they running out of that studio, for heaven's sake? Should we do some questions? Yeah, I think we should before uh, we get in trouble. Yes. Here's one from Brian Clover. Neil, Kevin, I've taken heed of the workflow Kevin suggests, where I capture both the JPEG and the raw image of a photograph taken on my Fuji cameras, my X-T3, my X-H1 and X-100F. On the X-T3 and X-H1, I have two SD card slots occupied with fast SD cards. Problem. When using Lightroom, I can't transfer stroke import both files into my hard drive um, because on the the apple and possibly windows well you'll be able to inform us this uh, of this you cannot have the same file name even though they have different extensions jpeg and raf do you have any smart workarounds for this problem please kev i've searched online in the forums but you just have lots of chat about why are you shooting in both formats shoot one or the other and generate the jpeg from the war that's what those people sound like to me um, they mm. don't understand the uh, Fuji JPEG quality. Please help. That's from Brian Clover. Any thoughts? Uh, no, that's just wrong. I mean, it's 
in Lightroom, as long as you have the, the preference in Lightroom to say no, it's in edit preferences, treat JPEGs next to RAWs as separate files, then it will bring them both in, definitely, on Windows. Uh, and I'm absolutely sure that's the same on a Mac. Mm. Absolutely sure. I, I don't know, because obviously if I touch a Mac, I, I spontaneously combust, <laughs> but I'm 100% sure that's the same case. Mm. There's no way that you can't not import files to the same uh, first part of the, of, the, of the file name. And I, I suspect what's probably happening is they're coming in, but you're not seeing them. So make sure you do that. Edit preferences, treat JPEGs, and raw files. Uh, I can't remember what it's called now. Treat, treat, uh, oh, hang on. Let me get my Lightroom up. Right, edit preferences under the general tab. Treat JPEG files next to raw files as separate photos. Tick that box. Tick that box. Tick Perfect. that box. And it's all done. I like uh, saying that. Tick that box. Patrick Gomez. Hi, Neil. Uh, hi, Kev. Had a good meet-up with the House of uh, Photography. When is the next one? Oh, I don't know. When are we allowed out to play again? Well, it won't be for our 100th episode anniversary party. No, we're going to go past that. that'll be in about a week's time. <laughs> we're doing well. We are very close to the quarter millionth download. Did you know that? You said that last... Yeah. You said that about two no, weeks ago. So this quite... week, we'll get to a quarter well, I'm million. Seeing, I'm seeing it edge and edge and edge closer. Where are we at, then? Um, oh, I don't know the... Ex- Eight. No, no. <laughs> no, well, we're only about... 8,000 away from it, something like that. It's not far, not far. Um, just wanted to ask both of you with your style of shooting do you own a 50 to 140? Now, you do, don't you? I do. And do you use it? I do. I use it for um, my sports type photography. Mm-hmm. I do not use it for family weddings or anything other than um, that, basically. The only time I use it is when I'm doing the, uh, the marathons and the, the, the um, sports stuff. Why wouldn't you not use that, it? Maybe not that you couldn't use it for other stuff. No, no. Well, why don't you use it at the end of an aisle, for example? There's always there's always times where I've thought because I don't own one anymore, I sold it, and I, now I wish I hadn't because it was a it's a very um, versatile lens. And there, there have been times when I'm stuck at the end of an aisle in a church, thinking, "Oh, I wish I had slightly more than the 56, or I know you don't like this, but the 85 mil um, equivalent length." Mm, honestly, I, I for me. I like the fast primes, uh, 56 mil. It, that's only the difference between, what, six feet forward? Step six feet forward and you're at the same kind of, or six feet back, whatever. I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't really, it's huge. And it's not that huge, but it's big and bulky. And if I put that on my little spider holster on my trousers, my, my trousers would fall trousers down. And it just doesn't, it doesn't, it, you know, it's as long, if I had it hanging from my hip, it'd be touching my toes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Art, uh, this is an interesting name, Cactrian, Cactrian, I'm Cacturian. Anyway, I'm curious of the fate of the Fujifilm XE series. Do you think there'll be a successor to the, the XE3? Could have asked this one the other day of Andreas, of course, and ask Andreas. Well, um, what do you hear? I, I, I don't hear anything. Of, I, honestly, you know, I don't hear any of the stuff, the, the, the beating of the drums, what they call it, the jungle drums or whatever they call it these days, you know, the, the, the stories they hit, the, the rumours, apart from what I read on the rumour sites. So um, if you if you believe what they say on the rumour sites, the XE range has been canned. Oh. Um, no, the rumour sites, the, certainly Fuji rumours, it's generally pretty accurate, I have to say. Yeah. Um, whether he's accurate on this or not, I don't don't know and um you know we'll have to wait and see it'd be a shame if it is canned i, I think it's tough for fujifilm because the xe range whilst it was uh, quite a niche camera it did sell quite well i think for the certainly the xe2 um you know it is a lot of overlap between the xe3 and the x pro 2 x pro 3 kind of cameras um and it, it all comes down to 
return on investment, doesn't it? How much yes. does it cost to make that camera versus how much is it making in profit? And and ultimately, as many people go, that's my favorite camera. Why are they getting rid of that? The Fujifilm, yeah. rubbish. I hate that. You know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Fujifilm, at the end of the day, they've got to keep making money. So uh, the rumor sites say no. Um, we shall see. I... I uh, I had all of the XE cameras, XE1, XE2, yeah, XE3. Yeah. Um, but subsequently, I have actually sold my XE1, XE2. I still have my XE3, um, but I don't really use it. When you've got all the cameras you've got, you don't really need to, do you? Well, I sold a whole load off. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I actually, ah, yeah, that reminds me, I did sell my XT3. It went off to MBP and they sent it back saying it, it wasn't working. They said <laughs> the, ap- the aperture ring wasn't working. No. And I thought, that's, that's odd because that camera doesn't have an aperture ring. Um, and then oh, yeah. when I came back, I tested it, it was working fine. So the procedure's got something wrong. Uh, yeah, well, they're, they're, I mean, you don't leave your stuff in dividers. It's probably too scratched for. The Daily Show Photo Challenge. Ah, they said in that camera came. It's from Mullins. No dividers. Mullins, send it. Tell him something about apertures. Just send it back. We don't want it. That's what they're saying to you. That's, that's why you can't get rid of it with them. Right, it's, fo- it's in good nick, that camera. <laughs> Anybody want to buy an XC3? <laughs> Right, photo cha- photo challenge for the day. Then we'll then we'll have the book. Um, okay. So, uh, what are we going for today? Kev's Kev's daily photo challenge. Kev's daily photo challenge Wednesday. today yes. is, and again, I'm trying to encourage you to do it on the day of listening. Um, although that's not a firm rule. Um, T's and C's may apply, and other your, mar- your mileage may vary. Your yeah, mileage may vary. But today, I want you to show us love. Love. Oh my word. Yeah. Love. Now that can manifest itself in however you wish. It could be uh, your food. It could be yourself. But I'm, I'm not so interested. We've done portraits. Um, I'm not so interested in, in just pictures of them. No. I want to see context. I want to see emotion. Love. Um, it could even be something a little bit more risque, if you so wish. Oh, um, no. <laughs> oh, <blimey>. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I've totally lost my track now. I'm sure you have. You're thinking about the photos that are going to be flooding in. These aren't for your personal collection, Kev. This is supposed to be a, <laughs> this is supposed to be a for everybody photo, photo <laughs> challenge. Love. I want to see <laughs> love, uh, emotion, oh. the things Ooh. that are connected, oh, humanity. Yes. yes. All of that stuff. Who wants uh, to see Gemma's love picture? Me, 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 me. <laughs> I assume you're going to be taking part in this as well. <laughs> uh, uh, Maybe not. I'm always too busy. Uh, I've got <laughs> Okay. <laughs> right, let's... Uh, it's going to be a, a thumping long episode today. Um, oh, well, you know, we'd, um, we'll have to contact the Radio Times and tell them it, it went on a little bit longer than advertised. So, book, right, Wednesday's book. Stuff that we can spend money a- a- again on when, when we can all, you know, come out and safely spend it again. What have you chosen for us today? Okay, so today is not so much a photo book as such, not like one of those big, massive, heavy books that sit on your shelf and you, yep. and you ponder through the pictures. Yeah. This is more of an educational-type book, oh, and okay. it's one of my favourites. In fact, the whole series of these books is great. It's called. It's part of the Photography Workshop series, and it's by Aperture Books. Um, now, this one is Mary Ellen Mark on The Portrait and the Moment. Oh, my word. So Mary Ellen Mark, bless her, she's, uh, she's no longer with us. Um, however, she was a fantastic photographer. You will possibly all have heard of her. Of that doesn't make sense, is it? Probably some of you will have heard of her. Definitely. 
Um, but this book is a it's a um, it's a softback book. It's not a, you know it's 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 more like a, a textbook if you like. Lots of pictures, but lots of education as well, and discussing how she takes the pictures and you know what's going through the mind, the technique, the techniques of it, as well as the, um, the storytelling elements. There's some little assignments and all that kind of stuff in there. It's a really really good little series of books. Um, they're all still available on Amazon. I just checked. They're not at ridiculous prices. This one is nineteen pounds ninety five in the right. United Kingdom. Yeah. Um, and it says on the back, it says, in this series, Aperture Foundation works with the world's top photographers to distill their creative approaches, teachings, and insights on photography. Yeah. You will learn about organizing the frame to create layered photographs, interpreting what you see, and taking take in portraits with a point of view, capturing emotional moments that elevate the subject. And therein, where my theme today, love, came from, capturing emotional moments ah, that elevate the subject. You were inspired by that book. I was indeed. It's a fantastic book. $29.95 in the United States. Printed in China, uh, Aperture.org, Amazon, ISBN 9781597113168. Sir, reporting for duty. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, thank you for that, Kev. This week's interview, or the, today's interview, I say this week, old, old habits die hard. Uh, today's interview is with Keith Bernstein. Now, Keith's been on the show before. And uh, remember, Kev, he talked about uh, that amazing journey, that, that time that he spent with uh, Nelson Mandela being his personal photographer. And what an opportunity that was. Um, today's taking your questions, and thank you very much for them, on how to become a set photographer, because that, that was another side of his work that, of course, we, uh, we didn't just touch on, but we spent a long time in the, in the first interview talking about that. And some questions came back about how to perhaps look at that as... Um, as 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 a way of the, in the future of making money for yourself in this photography business. So that's what today's uh, interview is all about. I'll hang out if you like with Keith Bernstein. Keith, first of all, how are you? And what what's what's the lockdown like and how's it affecting you where you are? It's fine. I don't think I've got anything particularly original to say that doesn't apply to anybody else. <laughs> we were obviously I'm off work, uh halfway into a seven month filming schedule, just under halfway, and we closed that down uh I think four weeks ago now, three and mm. a half, four weeks ago. This was the HBO project. You this said you'd have you'd, you'd have you'd have to see me under a carpet if if you told me any more or something. Yeah, I can't tell you what it is. I'm afraid, but <laughs> it, it is the HBO yeah. uh, series. So that's is going to film for seven months, and as I said, we're we're just under halfway through it. Yeah. Um. So that shut down completely, uh, in line with every other kind of TV and film production, just about anywhere in the world, I think. And that'll be your first job back in. Do you think? Yeah. I mean, as soon as we're able to go back to work. I think because there are so many people involved in the production and we've done so much of the filming, um, I think that'll start quite soon after we're we're able to return to work. Good. Right. Um, questions were successful, Keith. There are lots yeah, of people want to know lots of things about um, chasing your work. Um, right. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing now. Oh, go ahead. Why you, not? Let's you're, try you're it. established. You have nothing to fear, clearly. Let's try it. Yes. Well, here we go. Paul Upton. I've been working as a social photographer, Keith. Weddings, portraits, that kind of stuff. How could I even start to write to filmmakers? Would they even take me seriously? It is a kind of a slightly unknown area of photography. I think we discussed this when we did the podcast that people know about or think they know about how wedding photographers or fashion photographers work it's a slightly unknown area but the principles of getting work are exactly the same as in anything else you have to have uh, a folio together which shows some relevant images 
And whether that's a physical folio printed or whether it's a digital folio, doesn't matter. So you have to get that kind of work together. You can't go and show social photography to a film production company because it's got no relevance to them. Mm. They won't see the they won't see any connection, however good or bad your pictures are. Uh, so then I guess that leads to the question of if you can't get the work unless you've got the photographs, how do you get the photographs to get the exactly, work? And yeah, the answer yeah. is you just have to do it in exactly the same way as I think you would do if I mean if you're a wedding photographer starting out, you would probably offer to shoot friends' weddings maybe, or, you know, a wedding or two for free until you got some kind of some establishment of work together yeah. that you could show. And I guess in films, there are two kind of avenues that you can explore. One is that there are a lot of very, very low budget films which don't have the budget for a stills photographer, which you can ask to work on for free in return for being able to use the pictures in your folio. And the other is to go, I would think, to any college or university in your area because every single one of them has got a film mm. study department, media studies department. They all produce student films. A lot of them have a kind of, particularly at the graduate year, a lot of them at a very high production scale. And you can ask to work work with them for free. Again, you're giving your services for free, but you have to kind of speculate to accumulate, I guess. And you have to get the work together. And then it's simply a case of knocking. It's no different from any other type of photography. It's just knocking on doors. And that is going to see film production companies, independent producers, the big TV channels, BBC, ITV, Channel 4, Sky, BT, uh, HBO. I mean, there's so uh, many, ch- so many channels and outlets there, around, aren't there? There are thousands. Of, one mm. of the problems, slight problems, is that a lot of the production companies are set up only for a particular film or production. As oh. soon as that production's finished, then they close down. They start up again under a different name. Yeah, and it's difficult to know which ones they are. I suppose, isn't it? Really? Yeah. I mean, as good and as bad a source as any is the website IMDb. There's a free section to IMDb, and then there's Mm. a pro section, which is cheap. I think it's about $50 a year, something like Mm. that. And the pro section lists every single film and TV production anywhere in the world that's happening that they've got details about. And how updated are they? They're as updated as – they're as good and bad as any other source on the internet. They are a kind of collated source. There are a lot of inaccuracies in there, but there's also a lot of good information. It's updated as soon as somebody chooses to put their information up Mm. there. But of, but of all of them, that's probably the, the finest one to look that's at. That's the kind of best one in that it mm. takes mm. everything from everywhere and sticks it into one place. But, I mean, in there you will find – you can sort it by the status of the production, mm. the country, the location, and so on, the theme. But in there you'll find anybody who's ever got an idea that they've written – on a post-it note with this would make a great film they then put it up onto imdb that's never ever going to get made mm. but you'll find that alongside serious production so you just have to it's kind of hit and miss you have to sift through the good and the bad and just try it but in yeah. the end it comes down to the same as any other type of photography you have to show relevant work knock on doors and be prepared for a lot of frustration i've got a question actually but i didn't ask this one last time in the obviously we're talking about stills photography but if you're offering your services as somebody who's going to film the film behind the scenes is mm-hmm. is that relevant as well uh it's relevant but not to the photographer so they have uh what's called an epk crew which is electronic press kit it's a kind of throwback to real sort of mm. video days when you used videotape and the epk crew uh come on to do the filming the behind the scenes filming that you can see on youtube and sometimes uh-huh. on the specials on a dvd if you buy it so that would never be the stills photographer's job 
it's never the stills photographer. So the photographer is on generally every day or most days. The EPK crew will come on on specific days and they'll also set up a mini studio where they'll do the interviews with the actors and the director. But that's a very separate. Well, separate separate entity, the yeah. two areas don't cross over at all. Petra Ziran, um, we have to have a kit question. So let, let's get the kit done. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> what kit do you use? Camera, lenses? Um, and how's I, I'll add an extra one in. How's it changed? Because I, I know you used to use blimp housing and and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so it, it it changed a lot when mirrorless came in. So pre mirrorless, you have to be silent on set, otherwise it distracts the actors and it gets picked up on the microphones, the camera shutter. So pre mirrorless cameras were always housed in a blimp, and if you want to look them up on the internet, they're big black wooden boxes. Huge. So heavy, I would imagine, as well. Uh, yeah, there were various models. The ones that I used, which were made by Jacobson in America, they right. weigh, without the camera in, they weigh about 2.2 kilos, so you're adding that. Then mirrorless came in. Obviously, mirrorless have an option to be silent, uh, so the blimps went. If anybody wants to buy one of four blimps, please email me. <laughs> and I used the Sony A7R2s and then R3s. Uh, lenses twenty oh, were really always the same. It's fairly simple: twenty four seventy, seventy two hundred, both at two eight. Mm. And I shoot nearly everything at two eight. Very seldom go down from two eight below that. So you're not really uh, you, you don't elect to use very fast primes. Uh, I do use the primes. So the kit has changed slightly in the uh, last. So I used the Sony's for about eighteen months, two years, and then about a year ago, I started using a Lumix S one R with prime lenses, fifty one four. Uh, was the first one. And the only reason, the Sonys are fantastic, the Lumix are fantastic. The only reason is that because of my age, I grew up with heavy cameras like Nikon F4s and so on. Uh, and I just preferred the weight of the Lumix. Mm. The Lumix is a big and sort of bulky camera. I, I'm with you on that because sometimes uh, I know a lot of people choose mirrorless and I did because of the weight. And you think, well, I can I can sport these all day long. And then occasionally you think, I'm a bit wobbly. I could do with something a bit heavier. Yeah, I think the, the issue is because the mirror has gone, there's very little weight and size in the yeah, body. Yeah. Um, and because I'm using fast lenses, 2.8 or fast primes, all the weight goes onto the front of the Top, camera. Yeah, it's onto front, the lens. front heavy, yeah, yeah. Because I'm always using them handheld. I can't use a tripod on set. And so I'm always using them handheld. And I just found the heavier camera, the Lumix, better balance. So now I'm using two Lumixes, again, with the same configuration of lenses, 24-70, plus the 50 and a fixed 85, which I sometimes use. But in addition, I carry two X-Pro2s that you'll be familiar yeah. with, with a 35-1.4 and a 56. Is it a 1.2 or 1.4? 56-1.2, yeah. 1-2. And I, the reason for that is that I put the X-Pro2 around my neck when I arrive in the morning with the 35mm lens on, and that stays on me all day. I never take it off. And it's fantastic. Because of the form factor, do you feel that that's perhaps more, it's got somehow more of a reportage feel to it that, oh, I can grab that quickly rather than rather than what, what I'm going to call in inverted commas, the works cameras? Yeah, it's a, very, it's a very fast camera to use. It's obviously very, very small and indiscreet, so nobody really even knows that you're kind of using it most of the time. Yeah. One of the things that I've found about it is that it, for me, it works really, really well in very, very low light. Mm. So at high ISO, wide open, so at 1.4, often get better results or, or you know, comparative, com- comparable results to using a Lumix. So it's a, it's a fantastic camera in low light. That was going to be my uh, another follow-up question, really, from me as, as much as anything, was that you're using the 2.8 uh, on the Lumix and, and you did on the Sonys. Um, I'm figuring that a film set is usually well illuminated, isn't it? Because obviously the, they want a 
fair degree of light to be able to work with imaging that can be graded uh, more easily. So you're not necessarily in a job where you're fighting the light, or are you? Uh, no, now you're always fighting the light. So just as the, the camera sensors have changed for us as stills photographers in the last kind of, particularly in the last five years, but in the last 10 years, they've also changed on the digital cameras that they're using to shoot the film or TV production. Uh, and the lights have changed accordingly, so you don't really see so much the big old classic lights that you used to see, right. 20Ks and 18Ks right. that you used to see in films. They're using now a lot of LED panels, which can be color temperature variable all the way. Mm -hmm. They don't give up much heat, so the actors like them. And the light levels have dropped because the filming camera sensor is so much more sensitive now. Yeah. They're still well lit, but they're often well lit, but quite low level. Mm. Zoe Bradshaw, I'm being careful how I ask this, but is this, <laughs> but is this a man's world photographically? Uh, no, it's not. There are there are a lot of uh, female stills photographers. Uh, Good to I hear. could reel you off a list of names. There's a there are various databases with film stills photographers, particularly one in America, where you can find a lot of people on there. But it's it's definitely not a kind of man's world at all. Good to know. Dan Warwick, what's been your proudest moment, Keith? You've photographed so many famous people and legends like Nelson Mandela. It's probably an impossible question to answer. That is, that's difficult. That's a very um, difficult one. How can you pull out from your archive one moment? I suppose it's 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 a predictable answer, but it would have to be the time spent with Mandela. I mean, I can't pick out one particular incident with him, but in general, the time. Um, the feeling, I suppose, just being a, 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 amongst the people and him. Yeah, and to kind of recognise that more as I've got kind of older and greyer, is right. that uh, because I probably didn't value it correctly at the time that it was happening. Right. Martin and Sophie Law, we're a husband and wife team. Wonder if it would be an advantage being a twin shooting team to film companies? No, disadvantage. Right. Oh, disadvantage. Why would that yeah. be? Uh, because they always try and limit, really limit the number of people that they have on a film crew. And if you imagine a film crew as being maybe can be anything, 300 people in total, but a lot of those people will be construction or production or wardrobe. But then if you shrink that down to the actual shooting crew that are on the set on the day, it's often very small. So it's yeah. director and actors, camera and sound and assistant director and maybe a props and a stills person. It can be, you can look around on a huge film set and sometimes see only eight or nine people there at the actual point of shooting. Really? So to have two photographers there would definitely yeah. not be an advantage. Do you ever get asked to leave the set? Very occasionally. I mean, you do have, if they're doing any scenes without clothes, then it's called a closed set. And mm. then there won't obviously be a stills photographer there because they're never going to use those pictures in publicity. Very occasionally. I've had a, a, one run-in with a British actress who didn't want anybody on mm. the set that she didn't think was important. And mm. that's you know that's fine <laughs> i don't have a problem with that well look, i'm gonna i'm gonna run down the list a little bit further and then come back up where i was because actually there's a question here that applies to what you've just said very well brian Karish, how do you deal with the egos uh you don't i mean there's a there's a phrase that they use on a film set never say no to an actor and that right. basically means that every other single person on a film crew director down to lowliest trainee is dispensable but the actor is not it sounds terribly corny but you can just try to be as professional as you can as quiet as you can discreet don't wear a sort of hawaiian shirt on set wear yeah. black or gray so that you're invisible yeah 
And if that's not good enough, then there is nothing else that you can do. No. Pascal Diamond, I asked a similar themed question, slightly different. Just wanted to know of the cast, Keith, especially bigger names, find your work a help to them in ways, or are they too much a star and see him as unnecessary? Kind of similar answer there, but I just, I, is there a slightly different take on that? I've only ever had two problems with actors, one with a British actress and one with a British actor. I'm not going to name either of them. No, don't. Um, no. The bigger names never, ever had a problem. I think mm. that they just see everything as a kind of frustration, whether it's hair and makeup, wardrobe, stills. But in the end, they just see it as part of their job and they mm. just get through it. Having said that, I had a friend who was on the set with Christian Bale when he had his famous rant which is on YouTube. I think if you put Christian Bale into YouTube, it's one of the first or second things that comes out. All right, I'm going to do that. It wasn't a rant at a stills photographer, it was a rant at the cameraman, So, but I've never had an encounter like that. Blimey. Um, Dudley Rush, from the interview you did with Neil last time, I'm intrigued as to exactly how you got your first big break. You can't have gone from shooting editorial and the jobs you had to suddenly rubbing shoulders with a rich and famous in Hollywood overnight. And he's right in that respect, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's right, yeah. He's wrong that I rub shoulders with the rich and famous, but anyway. <laughs> We've got this um, this idea, Keith, that you're out night after night with, uh, with, with all these directors. and Yeah, my swimming pool is next to... Uh, <laughs> Clint Eastwood swimming pool. It's well, not quite well you mentioned Clint Eastwood. He, uh, well, how many? T- I got it wrong last time. How many times has he asked you to to be his personal set photographer? It's uh, it's not once or twice. It's more than that, Keith. It's seven. Yeah. Well, there we go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I put that down as in my in my for in my in my, in my book that's rubbing shoulders, Keith. Okay, we'll let that one go then. Uh, the break came out of the blue. I have a friend who, who is a film publicist. Uh, I hadn't done any film work, although I'd been on film sets before doing kind of picture stories for the Sunday Times and The Observer and so on. And she called me completely out of the blue one day to say that she was starting to work with a British director on a film set in Africa, and uh, which was number one ladies' detective agency, the first adaptation yeah. of that. And she thought that the pictures, a lot of the pictures that I'd taken in Africa and particularly in Southern Africa would be relevant. And she thought I should just come and meet the director and show him the photographs. And mm. the director was Anthony Mangella. So it was a it was a sliding doors moment. If I hadn't answered the call or if I'd said, no, I'm not interested, then that wouldn't have led anywhere. Then you, we might not even be having this conversation today. We it's might be, but it'll be about, about editorial. Yeah. We'll be talking about something else. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah. I, I remember you said that you, you were rather spoiled on that first outing, weren't you? You thought everything was going to be the same after that. And it wasn't quite, was it? No, I mean, they have ups and downs. That was, so Anthony was brilliant. He died shortly afterwards, after the completion of filming. He was a fantastic man. Mm. And uh, Seamus McGarvey, the DP, likewise. The whole crew was wonderful. Uh, It's often like that, but not always. Yvonne Southgate, is age a barrier to this? I'm 46 and have been working as a pro for only two years. Do film companies look for young aspiring photographers above people my age? No, I'd I'd say 46, you're still a child, really. You've got a long way to go. (laughs) I like the sound of that. So 46, so age age is not a barrier then? No. No, there's a lot of people are kind of my age and older on film sets. And I think that one of the reasons for that is film companies, when they're hiring people in all departments, one of the things they're really looking for is kind of insurance that you're not going to mess up because the consequences... You can't come back the next day when you mess up something on set, whether it's sound or camera or stills. 
the, the production just rolls on the next day there's something else to do so you, it's very difficult to correct a mistake so i think one of the things that they look for when they're hiring people is a kind of they're looking for a degree of talent and expertise and all of that stuff that is a given but they're also looking for a degree of insurance that you're not going to mess it up and i think that that some of that comes with experience and therefore with age Stefan Miles, do you prefer working on location or being in a studio where you can in- control the environment? Well, you can't really control the environment. I can't control no. it in the time. No, no. no. Um, uh, it- I like them both. I really love being in the studio, which a lot of the crew don't like because they find it claustrophobic. But there's mm. something about, I mean, the sets on a studio are built very, very small. And I sometimes find that I concentrate more because it's more difficult to shoot in the studio than it is on location. The work is very varied as well. And we'll put links to your website, clearly. Um, it's not just making pictures as the action is rolling. It's also providing continuity pictures as well, isn't it? I mean, I see a lot of images of, of just the set design, for example. You've got one part of your website devoted to it. Yeah, it's less. Uh, the, it's not the continuity that's handled by a set. Separate, uh, separate department script supervisor looks after continuity and props look after it in a photographic sense but okay. there's a huge amount of work so people often say well why don't they just take the stills from the film or from the digital recording that they're doing and the answer is they can do that to quite a high quality mm. but the film camera is only ever looking at the action that takes place for that particular scene so they'll never obviously never film the director they'll never film the rest of the crew the set being decorated work of background the work of hair and makeup so the photographer is there not just to photograph the action that you see on the finished two-hour film or tv production but all of the work that goes on in the background of different departments yeah that was going to be a question last time which i omitted to to ask you was with the advance of cameras you know 8k and these sensors getting larger and larger whether that would spell an issue for for you but you've just answered that no because that's just i mean I, i don't know if you could put it in percentage terms but maybe that would be 30 40 percent of the work or maybe less would be what's going on in front of camera um I, maybe c- kind of higher than that maybe sort of 60 percent is okay. in front of the camera but 40 percent and it's very important 40 percent that often if you're just a kind of general tv or film enthusiast you might not see but if you are mm. particularly interested in hair and makeup production design lighting camera work there are magazines, I mean, the digital magazines online now, but there are thousands and thousands of publications that use those kind of specialist element pictures yeah. um, that you might just not see if you're really just kind of interested in what's on TV or on the cinema tonight, if the cinema is ever open again. Well, for us in City, hope it is soon, Keith. Um, <laughs> for, for, I'm sure you do as well. Yeah, me too. Final question um, is from Christopher Waters. I've saved this one purposefully to the to the end um if you could it's a nice soft one but i like this (laughs) if you could work with any director dead or alive i i guess he's talking about somebody you haven't worked with because when you look at the names you have um you could easily pick one of those and be very happy with your answer so let's choose one you haven't who would you like to work with and why hmm christopher that is a tricky question i thought we were ending on an easier one (laughs) no we're ending on a hard one (laughs) I think I'd like to work with Michael Bay. Why? Well, I think you have to put Michael Bay and Rant into YouTube. And I do love a little bit of (laughs) drama sometimes on set when toys get thrown around. And Michael Bay (laughs) has a reputation for being um, fiery. Wouldn't that make it a much more sort of unpleasant, nervy kind of experience, though? Oh, yeah, completely. And people would get fired, probably me included, but... (laughs) Would it almost be t-shirt work? It would be like a danger ride or something. (laughs) 
and t-shirt worthy. So, I, and, fired yeah, by, exactly. <laughs> yes. I was fired by Michael Bay. Exactly. <laughs> I'll tell you that one. Well, I do hope um, you're back at work soon. I do, yeah. The other reason I hope you're back at work soon is because I can't wait for you to tell me what blooming project you've been working on. <laughs> It'll all come out soon enough. <laughs> It'll yeah. come out in the wash. You now, keep... just before we go, I have a question, if I'm oh, allowed to. Oh, my word. Uh, yes. Well, that very rarely does somebody turn it back, but go on. Uh, well, it's less a question than a kind of uh, a slight bone pick with you. So oh, I listened no. to a couple of the podcast that you did interviews with photographers right and you're very sort of self-deprecating about your own work and about your own photography and i was looking at your website right so this is very much less a question actually than a statement i I feel i feel yeah i'm nervous you were looking at it to be honest keith well, um, and I'm sure that most people that listen to your to the FujiCast regularly have looked at the website. If you haven't, neiljames.com. But there's some fantastic pictures on there. Well, thank you. It's very kind of you, particularly coming from you. There, I mean, there are a lot that I could pick out, but there was one that just leapt out, which was a bride and groom walking down the street, right. and the frame is divided down the middle, where I think it's a cafe or a restaurant oh, on the yeah. left-hand side. Yes. It's a great picture. I mean, and the co- because the context is a wedding, then yeah. maybe you're a little bit sort of dismissive of that, and you say, well, it's just oh, yeah. it's it's in It's interesting. That was taken in Soho, by the way, that picture, and I, rem- I remember that moment very well, because he's an Aussie groom, and he said, I don't really want to take any pictures, Neil, and I said, well... I know, I know your wife does, so let's just go for a little wander. You can have a chat, hold hands, and I'll take some pictures. And as we went past the cafe, I saw that reflection, and the the girls in the window started covering their face. They thought, who, who is this odd chap taking pictures of us? And uh, then, of course, they realised as the bride and groom walked past, it was a bridal picture, and they laughed. It's a really weird thing, um, being a wedding photographer, Keith. Um, I wasn't expecting to have a debate well, at the end I, like I that. that, so that's why I've Yeah, it. It, uh, the, the reason um, I've spent 15 years doing it and shot 800 in that time, and I like to feel I've got a bit of experience, um, but in that time I've always felt, well, I couldn't possibly have this website as a commercial site because people would look at it and think, oh, you're a wedding photographer. I'm a nice pictures, but you're a wedding photographer. And I think many wedding photographers, if we were absolutely truthful, Keith, hand on heart, um, and I've found this as I've been talking to photographers with, with great stature, such as yourself, and you do, you're well respected in the industry, that you kind of feel, I'm a wedding photographer, uh, I aspire and look up to be Keith or, or a myriad of other photographers that we talk to, but I know my place. Okay, well, I sensed that, which was why I yeah. asked to raise it at the end. Uh, there's another... There are a lot of great pictures. Another one of a chef kind of shot through the food preparation area where he's just finishing off a something, a salad or something. Well, in- <laughs> I mean, it's great yeah. pictures on there. Well, and just because they're in the, uh, there's no good or bad photography by genre, is there? There's no, no, bad photography. no. This would make a very interesting conversation another t- uh, another time, wouldn't it? Um, I, I think about the different genres and, and how they all relate to each other. Um, I, I think it would be quite fascinating. Anyway, yeah. if you haven't looked, neiljames.com. Fantastic. <laughs> That's called cross-promotion, folks. There you go. Backscratching. <laughs> Mutual backscratching society. Keith, I'm so looking forward to coming out of the open so we can at last share that coffee. <laughs> Sitting over yeah, we'll the sea. Like yeah, I, I, I so look forward to it. And, uh, and we'll speak soon. Yeah, all right. Thank you to Keith Bernstein. There was a question that came in, actually, um, that, on email that I omitted to use in the, in the show from Andrew Higgins. So, Kev, I did uh, send Keith uh, an email, and he was brilliant. He sent one straight back with the answers to it. Um, I hugely, this is what, uh, what was asked of him by, um, by Andrew, and he said, I hugely admire the work of cinematographer Roger Deakins. I think you've mentioned Roger Deakins before, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, 
what a Fujikas guest he might be. So I'd be interested to know which DOPs Keith admires and stroke or does he work alongside them working on movies? And uh, Keith's answer was, I'm always uh, physically close by either the camera operator and or the DOP. And over the course of the filming, many weeks, we'll talk to the DOP quite a lot. Most of them are great stills photographers and have a wide knowledge and appreciation of stills photography outside the area of film stills. There are so many great DOPs, but I'll pick out three. Conrad Hall, Michael Chapman and Gordon Willis. Uh, for pure genius, have a look at Raging Bull Steadicam shot for Michael Chapman and Gordon Willis's peerless lighting on The Godfather 1 and 2. Oh, they're amazing films. Are you a Godfather fan or not, Kev? Is uh, it too frightening for you, that one? Uh, I did watch the first couple of minutes of the first one. And that was it. Yeah, I've seen Raging Bull, though. Uh, mm. Does uh, Another question, that he had three. Does he need to, to work in the style of the DOP on the film uh, he's shooting stills on? And Keith said, no, I don't need to work in the style of the DOP, but I do need to match the feel of the film, e.g. it's not a great career move to shoot a romantic comedy with a dark, shadowy, aggressive look. And then the last one, aside, I've read that so many movies were shot on 35mm film last year, and there was a, sh a world shortage of 35mm movie cameras available from rental companies. Uh, and uh, Keith answered, it's not that there's a problem about shortage of cameras, it's a shortage of labs to process the film. That's the issue. In mm, 2017, 92% of released feature films were actually shot digitally. So I can only imagine that's gone up and up and up, isn't it? I, I would, would have thought so, yeah. yeah. It's, it's great. I, I love Keith's work, and I, it's great that he's been on the, the podcast yeah. a few times. Yeah. Um, very nice chap. When I grow up, I'd like to be a Keith Bernstein. <laughs> when I grow up, I want to be Keith. Mm. right remind us of today's photo challenge then i think that's it for the day love emotion love. emotion love, love as mary ellen mark says capturing emotional moments that elevate the subject and you're, you're particularly looking for black and white pictures are you or color or no 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 okay. no 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 doesn't matter yeah any time of the day or, or night don't be not, rude <laughs> not sepia though don't do sepia no don't yeah. do sepia but um anything goes i suppose on this particular one anything goes yeah you yeah. might have problems uploading to facebook yeah. it's a little bit too risky no well yes can we just say remember the rules please and Taste and decency, exceptionally important, particularly uh, with this tricky one that Kev has set you. That's it. I'll, I'll see you. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow, and we'll uh, we'll be monitoring the the raciness uh, <laughs> together tomorrow. Look forward to it. <laughs> the FujiCast is an independent loading zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives, who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.